All right, hello and welcome everyone to another Chat and Learn here with Power to Fly. My name is Marielle Marie and as always, super excited to roll into this next hour with you all, especially because our guest speaker is already visually tantalizing us with all of her great treats that she's been sharing on Instagram. I mean, she's going to speak in just a minute, but I just want to go over some quick housekeeping rules so that we all feel comfortable and confident in this next hour so that we can share our voices. Um, I know that the world is on fire these days. We're going through some crazy times. So I just want to start by saying thank you for joining us this hour. You could be doing anything else, but you're deciding to spend this hour with us. And I see you. I appreciate you. Uh, with that said, I see you all are writing in the chat box. Uh, continue to do so. Let us know where you're calling from. I'll give you a shout out in just a bit. Um, I've muted everyone upon entry just to avoid background noise. But again, I can't stress enough. I would love to hear from you in this hour as you are here with us presently. So come off mute, turn your cameras on whenever you feel called to do so. Um, put your virtual backgrounds up if you've got you know, a messy house in the back. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, go ahead. We, we can't smell you, so no judgments if you haven't taken a shower yet. We just we believe in visibility. So we'd love to see your beautiful face here. Um, if you have any sensitive information and you want to be kept anonymous, you can find me in the chat box under Mariella Marie. Write to me anonymously uh, and I will keep your message. Um, I will flag your message to our guest speaker and keep you anonymous. Uh, if you do hop off mute, you will be featured in our live recording. Uh, and with that said, I know that we live in a world where everyone is multitasking all the time, but I would ask that you uh, stay present with us. Stop multitasking if you can, if you can, if you can trust yourself to focus on this one conversation. Then you can rewatch uh, the video later on Power to Fly and you can take notes vigorously there. Um, I think I'll say is we'd love for you to follow us on socials and subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can keep up with all the great chats we've got lined up. With that said, I'm going to pass the mic to our guest speaker, Steph. Steph, let us know a little bit about yourself. I won't read what's here on the, on the screen. So let us know a little bit about yourself, how you came to learn about Power to Fly and what you're excited to share with us today. Sure. Um, so I currently lead the business standards team at Eats and the way I usually describe what that means to anyone who doesn't work in the space is if you've ever had a food delivery go wrong and you need it to be made right, my team works on figuring out how we do that for you. Uh, but previously I've been on both our support teams and working closely with product operations teams at Uber have a little bit of a mixed background starting out in education consulting and international development as well. So working in Nairobi and actually one of my friends from Nairobi, thankfully, is also joining this call. So shout out to Anne <laughs> um, and have done quite a bit of work with AnitaB.org. And I think that's what's really gotten me thinking about my hot mess squad. So I'll be chatting through today what that actually means. It's not the same as your network. If I think about it, there's kind of concentric circles of who you're willing to share levels of messiness with. And the hot mess squad is really the smallest, tightest one that allows you to be, well, a hot mess and they won't judge you for it, but they'll also figure out how do we build you back up and keep you going and get you on your feet and you do the same for them. I love that. And I know that you have so much to share uh, regarding your journey, also your hobbies and your interests. I mean, this virtual background <laughs> that you have is, I mean, I, I just want to just get that off the, you know, get that off the table. Um, no pun intended. Let us know what's going on behind you. Yeah. So one of the things that I started doing was baking tarts and I'm not going to lie. Sometimes it was to help, you know, just convince product managers or any other stakeholders to execute on things a little more quickly. You just slide it into the kitchen in the pre-COVID world. 
but it's become something that's quite fun. So I would just look for whatever ingredients I had at home or any leftovers from office kitchens, bake it up and bring it in and then subject my colleagues to actually trying the tarts. So we would actually have like tart hour blocked on people's calendars <laughs> and anyone who wasn't on the list, I would definitely hear about it afterwards and there would be some words exchanged, not always in my favor. Wow, so uh, so inspiring, I would say. We often talk about just how to make more meaningful connections uh, on these chat and learns and just how to form, you know, resource groups within your companies or within your organizations. And, and I would totally join this uh, resource group. I, I call this a resource group. Eat well and convince other people what you're working on. Um, all right, so we've got some great questions lined up. You all have submitted some great questions offline. Um, I'm also just going to shout out really quickly everyone who's uh, writing where they're calling from. So that's Steph, you can keep in mind that we are a global community now, and as you approach the questions, you can keep us in mind. So uh, I'm calling from Argentina and Patagonia. Steph is calling from California. We've got London representing Oakland, Brooklyn, Berkeley, California, San Francisco, Chicago, Illinois, Washington, D.C., calling from Paris, awesome, Chile, great. So if you're just joining, go ahead and let us know where you're calling. Um, and we're going to take these questions one by one. So if you see your question come up on the screen, uh, hey, New York, I see you representing Ghana. Awesome. New York again. Great. I love this. Nairobi. Awesome. Um, we'll start with this question here that we see on the screen. If you see your question come up uh, and you want our guest speaker to dive in deeper, again, feel free to write in the chat box or hop off mute. If this is not your question and you want to give your two cents or give, you know, share a dream you had last night, again, I'm going to sound like a broken record. I want to hear from you. So Steph, let's take this first question here. What's the definition of the perfect squad for you? Do they include both personal and professional relationships? What about family? Yeah, I mean, I think I touched on this a little bit earlier, but I feel like there's kind of two dimensions that I think about the perfect squad. So one is these are the all of the traits, right? They're folks who know me better than myself oftentimes because they've seen me through my peaks and valleys. They are gonna be there when I send like desperate WhatsApp messages in the dead of night because I'm freaking out and stressing out. And I know that I won't be judged for it because they know this is not all of Steph. This is just Steph in her really messy spot. Let's figure out how to work through it. And they'll never make me feel less for it, but they can also pull me back out from that. So, you know, I've had plenty of times where before presentations or in the past when I was job hunting and interviews and I would ping friends and they'd be like, Steph, it's okay what would you do if you were this person or someone else? Like do your power poses, look at some tarts, do some baking, go chill out and come back to it. And so that's kind of the personality dimension. When it comes to really tactically who is in my squad, I actually made a list the other day and looked at the breakdown of it. And I would say it's a mix of friends. So college, grad school friends, then there's the folks who I've worked with, so my previous jobs and my current colleagues. And then there's also folks from professional networks, so Anita B folks. There's also one of my friends who I met through an education event that I went to in Nairobi, and she and I have become really close friends. And I always credit her for being the reason why I'm actually in tech. 
Beautiful. So also accountability partners sounds like uh, is a big part of your definition. And I love that, especially now. I mean, I know we're going to dive into some of these questions a little deeper, but um, can you just speak about, you know, how right now we're in this global pandemic um, and how, you know, a squad could hurt or harm or not benefit, um, you know, as we're developing tech and developing this industry on a global level? Um, what should we keep in mind when we're looking for our squad in this moment, specifically with COVID? Yeah, I mean, I would say that oftentimes, and I come back to this of like, the squad isn't your professional network. These are the people who you can be comfortable with. So start with who are your closest friends who you've talked to about, you know, all of the non-work stuff, but also your career woes, right? I definitely know that those come up all the time in my catch-up calls with friends. And looking to folks who aren't necessarily, you wanna get kind of a mix of people who might be in your current field, but also folks who aren't because they're the ones who are gonna give you perspective, right? So if you're like, ah, oh, not getting, I don't know, like I don't get catered meals anymore at the office, life is so hard. And your friend in nonprofit will be like, okay, Steph, pull it back. You have food, you have a job. And so I think some of that reality check is really helpful, but also ones who, because they're a little bit removed, can give you that, hey, actually, is this really as bad as you think it is? How do we pull you out of this? How do we talk about something else so that we can move forward? And having a pretty, I have a pretty geographically dispersed squad, which is helpful for basically you have someone on call at all hours of the day when you are panicking. <laughs> That's a great way to look at that. Um, and I love that you have a global squad. I think that uh, it should be a requirement. Let's all figure out how to really have these authentic connections and create this global unit um, so that you know we can get out of our shells and get out of our bubbles more and more. So kudos to you and your squad, Steph. Let's move on to this next question. So haven't found my squad yet. Any tips on networking into finding the right one? Yeah, so I would say you probably do have a squad. Maybe it's just not super clear yet. I know that for me, it wasn't until more recently that I actually realized that there was a very specific name for these people who I go to in my times of distress and celebration, right? The Hot Mess Squad is the place for folks you can tell all of the awful things at work or things that are stressing you out, but they're also the first people you go to when you're like, hey, I got this great feedback. I don't want to brag. And I've also had friends in my squad who are like, no, no, it's fine to brag. Do that. You need to own your accomplishments. So you want people who will lift you up. But I'd say, again, start with who you already know, who's in your closest circle, who you've talked about things with. I have two friends. Every time I have interviewed for a job, every time I have been stressed out about any presentation, they are the first two people I talk to. And this has been for the last 10 years, basically, these same two people. And then when you're thinking about sort of outside work versus inside work, outside work, I would think about which of your former colleagues are you still in touch with? Who's been an advocate for you? I think of one of my former colleagues who at one of my previous roles, I was actually in out of the country for two months on a project on my own. And I didn't have any support really on the ground. I managed to find a couple of connections through college friends, but this particular friend was actually the person who checked in me on a daily basis from San Francisco. I was in Rwanda 
And she was also the person who was my advocate in the office. And she's become just like a fundamental part of my squad now. So think about some of those folks. When it comes to inside your company, I would then bifurcate it again, right? So there's people who are within your team or within your department who's working on a project that could be interesting. Reach out to them, just start asking them questions and set up some of those one-on-ones so you can start getting to know them. I know that I've talked to one woman at work who was connected to me by a mutual colleague who I used to work with. And we just now have monthly one-on-ones, very casual. I'm not in her team, so we can talk about what's happening for her, no judgment. And it's just about giving her a space. Um, There's ERGs, right? Employee resource groups, if you're at a slightly larger company, but I'm a big fan of just pinging someone and saying, hey, you mentioned this, this sounds really interesting and going from there and really thinking about building kind of a 360 degree web, if you will. So don't think about just people on your team or just in your org, really think about who else in different parts of the company can you talk to, maybe outside professional networks as well. So how would you differentiate um, like sponsors, mentors and squad? Yeah, so I think there's definitely some potential overlap. Like I've had previous managers who I would say fall into all three of those categories. One of my former managers had, I was telling him, I was like, "Mm, because you're one of the best managers, you're now kind of stuck with me for life. You're always going to get desperate text messages from me when I'm stressed out. Um, But I would say that with a sponsor, oftentimes there's someone who sees your worth, they see your value, they see the potential, but you can't necessarily and don't necessarily want to tell them all of the insecurities that you might be feeling. And I think that's where the squad is really valuable, right? The squad gives you a chance to talk it out, pull back from it, rearticulate your narrative, come back more confident. And then you might go to your mentor and say, hey, here's the issue I'm dealing with. Here's ABC things that I'd love to get your feedback on, right? So it's very structured, a very proper narrative. With your sponsor, it's, hey, here's XYZ opportunities that I've noticed that I would love. So it's kind of the squad allows you to work through how do I tell my struggles in a more quote unquote professional setting, one that won't hurt me because I've worked, ironed it out. Mentors, again, can be a little bit more open than you might be with sponsors. But in an ideal world, if you've got former colleagues, they can be all three of those, but that's not always the case. I love that. Thank you for breaking that down. Cause I know we often talk about, you know, the importance of mentorship programs or, you know, um, you know, building your network by reaching out to find sponsorships. So thank you for that clarification. All right, let's move on to this next question here. Again, if you see your question come on the screen, we'd love to hear from you. So I see some smiling faces. I would love to hear from you all as well. Um, All right, Steph, so this question here, how do you ensure your relationships with your squad are mutually beneficial? Yeah, no, this is a super important one to keep in mind. And I think about this because I've definitely had moments in my career where I've been extremely stressed out. And I remember reaching out to a group of close friends and telling them about, I mean, I was working 90 hour weeks in a new country, didn't really know how to handle things. And I remember one of the friends in that group telling me, hey, Steph, everyone thinks you're being a little bit self-absorbed right now and you're not checking in on anyone else, which was a hard thing for me to hear. But 
I think that was really important for me as well to remember, even when you're in those really messy spaces, you still have to find ways to pull back from it too and check in on how are other people doing. So tactically, and because I've kept that in mind, because I was like, oh man, I do not want to be that friend that nobody wants to talk to because she only thinks about herself. Um, one, it's always asking, how is the other person doing? How is your squad doing? Are they okay? And that's important, one, to know what's happening with them, but two, you also want to make sure that you're not stretching the limits of the friendship. I've had folks who are, I still consider my squad, but they have a ton of other things going on in their lives. So it's important that I recognize, okay, they don't have the capacity to give me what I, the support I might need. And that's fine. That's right. We all have those stages. Um, I think the second thing is really literal, but earlier this summer, I actually packed up boxes of cookies and shipped them out to friends around the country who've been there for me. Also, it was just my way of saying thank you. And I'm thinking of you. No, I don't need anything from you. It's just something that I wanted to do. Right. And tarts were my way of doing this when we were back in the office. Um, I think the third one is when they're sharing what's going on with them, taking note of that and sending them things that they've mentioned. So I have one friend who mentioned she was interested in doing more writing. So every time I see something on Twitter or anywhere else about writing, I will just send her a text. And it's one of these things where with your squad, it's understood. It doesn't have to be this like super intense, deep text conversation every time, but these little nuggets go a long way for just keeping the rapport going for those times when you do need a deeper conversation or you need more support or they need more support from you. Can I ask on a personal level, I mean, especially in the States, but we can, we can bring this to a global perspective as well. I mean, this year has been crazy, right? Yeah. And we've, been, we've seen a lot of, of really intense um, situations surface. How has your squad been able to navigate these waters of let's, let's say diversity, equity, inclusion, for example, or racial justice or you know, wellness, mental health? Because um, I know maybe some people are going through those things right now if they're alone or if they're building their squad, what are some, you know, what are, what are some ways you've been able to see your squad being, you know, beneficial and, and therapeutic in these moments? Yeah. I mean, I will say that, especially in the States, there's, yeah, I feel like there's almost too many incidents to go through just the everyday existence for many black and brown Americans is, yeah, not easy to, which is honestly an understatement. But I think one of the things for me has been checking in with members of my squad to see how they're doing. One of my friends was telling me, she's like, yeah, so she's um, Black Zimbabwean and now lives in the States. And she was telling me, yeah, I've been talking to my husband. And to be honest, we have gotten inundated with texts suddenly because everyone's texting their Black friends to ask them how they're doing. And then it just kind of goes quiet. And so I think it's been yes, reaching out to folks in my squad to see how they're doing, but not letting it stay with just that one moment because there's a media kind of article, right? Suddenly everyone's interested, but actually sustained engagement, checking in. I've had one friend who told me about a lot of microaggressions she was dealing with in the aftermath of George Floyd at work and just talking through it with her, just literally letting her text me, hopping on the phone as she needed, but really figuring out what's actually most helpful for my squad. It's not about me trying to give you what I 
think you need. It's me waiting to see like, can I send you cookies? I sent boxes of tea to a couple of other friends as my, we don't need to talk through it. This is just here, (laughs) something to be there for you. And when you need to chat, we can do that. So I don't know if that's a perfect answer, but that's kind of how I've been navigating through it. And I think it really does vary, but I would encourage folks to really think about when you're checking in with friends, are you checking in because you feel like it's suddenly the right thing to do and every article is saying it, or are you checking in because you genuinely want to know how they're doing and you're going to sustain that concern? Beautiful response. I really appreciate that. And actually, um, I was I was hosting a series during, you know, the whole um, the outrage that was happening in the States because of the shootings. Uh, and one of the series talked specifically about that. Black is trending. Now what? Are you going to be that person to, you know, just be um, influenced by what, what's happening on social media? And it's a hot topic right now. And then you bounce, you disappear later. So I love the integrity in that, keeping it consistent, because that's also the the real way we make change, right? Um, there's no button to end racism. There's no button to end, you know, uh, bias in the workplace. You know, it takes work and it takes consistent work. So I really see the value of the squad in, in that respect. So thank you for that response. All right, let's move on to this next question here. How do you start trusting people more and letting down the professional barrier? Yeah, this one is tough. And I actually looked up, because I remember watching a video, which I think captures it really well. So we can send this out in the notes if anyone wants to watch it, but it's a video from Comedy Central and it's called The Secret Joy of Having a Mutual Enemy. And for those who haven't watched, it's basically two women are in you know, the coffee break room and they're like, oh, hey, how's it going? Asking, you know, who do you work with? And you see one of them say, oh yeah, yeah, that person's nice. Oh, oh Charlie, how do you like working with Charlie? And the other woman responds, he's interesting. And you see both colleagues slowly edging towards the, do we have someone we secretly don't like? And I, that really resonated. I think a big part of building that trust is slowly moving from talking about projects. And I'm not saying that the goal of having a squad is just to vent, although there's been lots of writing about the value of work spouses, right? Someone who understands the context, is a safe place and person for you to talk to. But I think it's through these small interactions to figure out, can I trust this person with my vulnerability or are they gonna weaponize it against me? Which is a very real concern for women, especially women of color and people of color who are often severely underrepresented in the workplace and often the only ones. Um, But I would say really start with those small informal chats and slowly you'll suss out, is this someone I can trust? And I think about, I actually had a colleague who our teams worked together, but we weren't super close. And then we're like, you know what, let's just set up monthly one-on-ones because it's just helpful for us to understand what each other's roadmaps look like, especially because our teams work so closely together. And I remember there was one one-on-one where I was like, how are you doing? How are things going? And you could see she was like, yeah, they're not great. And slowly it started coming down of, it actually turned out she'd been having a rough time for eight months, but hadn't had anyone to talk to. And so I think that's the thing, right? These relationships will take time, but after that was able to kind of 
pull her into one of my smaller squats at work. And we were then able to be each other's support folks for some of the particularly tough projects we were on or any work politics that we were all navigating. I love that. I love that. um, This reminds me of um, a chat that uh, I was hosting about pronouns in the workplace, for example, and how to, you know, break open that topic without, um, you know, stepping on any toes or saying anything that you might regret later and how to just have this open dialogue about something that is uh, so beautiful and complex, especially in our modern uh, workplace. Um, And the woman who was uh, giving us advice was saying, you know, if you just, if if you have your email and you put, you know, your pronouns there, you're already opening up a conversation or you're opening it up to be, to speak to other people about this topic, even if, you know, you don't identify as whatever the other person might be, you know, if you, if you've just hired a trans person and there's no one else trans on the team, if you put your pronouns, maybe that break down some barriers, professional barriers, and you can, you know, have some, some more, um, uh, genuine, authentic connection happening there. So I found that to be really interesting. And I would even take that a step further outside of, you know, gender and pronouns in the workplace. Um, and maybe, you know, putting something that is interesting to you in your, in your signature or in your, uh, you know, whatever method of communication, you all use Slack or whatever. And that kind of will, sh- will help break a professional barrier as well. I'd love to hear your, your opinion on that, like using your network, your social network to kind of open up some, some conversation and dialogue. Yeah, I love that. I think the way that I've seen some folks do it now on Slack is you can add like a little emoji next to your name. So sometimes I'll ping folks that I don't work super closely with them and ask them about it, or people have different Zoom backgrounds. I have one colleague who um, had a Mean Girls background every Wednesday and would wear pink because Wednesdays we wear pink. So some of those things that are just fun conversation starters and can be a bridge towards something else. I don't have anything quite as meaningful in terms of uh, analogs to including pronouns, but I think some of these smaller ones are actually, these smaller things are what can open the door or even Zoom backgrounds, right? Like at Uber, we have a couple of different ones for you know different months or key momentous events. And I think that also spreads awareness. So. I would recommend that folks pick what they're comfortable with. And if you're someone who's more senior, being a little bit more vulnerable helps to open that door for a lot of the other folks that you work with who might otherwise be scared to kind of make that switch. Absolutely. And speaking of, you have a colleague here who has her camera on and she was the first caller. And I realized that her background said stand against racism. That automatically makes me feel comfortable saying, well, I would love to hear your opinion about this hot topic that everyone seems to not want to talk about. Um, so I, Anusha, I see you there. I, I respect you. And I thank you for putting that as your virtual backdrop. Um, but yes, you're putting it into practice. Um, great. <laughs> Let's move on to this next question here. Okay. My actual professional stage is quite a mess. Can you share some tips to find a mentor and allies who can help us come out of the hot mess? Yeah, have definitely been there multiple times in my career. And it's a big part of why really started to crystallize this idea of the hot mess squad. I would say that my guess and totally projecting is oftentimes feeling like our professional stages are a mess has to do with one, not being happy in our current jobs or two, the extension of that is not being happy with the job and also the industry that you're in. And what I've found helpful 
here is actually going through well, this is a very antiquated term now, but a Rolodex. My mom is probably one of the few people who still has like the actual physical Rolodex. I think now it would be the equivalent of your LinkedIn network, right? And thinking about, okay, of the people who I'm really close to, who do I know who might have been in this situation before? And this will vary. So if it's about a job change, that's almost easier in some ways from the perspective of I can look through LinkedIn, find some folks who work at a company that I'm interested in and have that conversation. When it's something like I have a toxic manager and I'm not sure how to navigate that. And I don't even know if it's me or if it's the manager. I've been in this in past jobs. What's helped me is I actually reached out to some of my former colleagues who I was really close to. And I said, Hey, here's what I'm going through right now. I don't know what to do. I'm not sure even what to believe about my skills anymore because I'm in the situation where I don't trust my own instincts. And so I think that's where having someone who you worked with before, whose judgment you trust and who valued you is helpful because they can remind you, this is a time when you were a top performer, when you were really in the groove, this failure you're feeling has nothing to do with your intrinsic value or abilities. This is purely a product of the environment you're in, right? So that's someone who gives you that professional side. Then reaching out to your close friends who you've struggled through some of these career decisions. And I have two friends when I was uh, in one of my previous jobs, they were the people I called like on a weekly basis, often in tears because I was so stressed. And they would remind me, Steph, remember that time, look at where you've gotten from there, how far you've come. You can do this. Like, I know you have it in you. So they remind you of your own personal strength. And then the third group is who are the folks that I work with, you know, in the office who maybe aren't in my direct department, but I've gotten positive feedback from and starting to suss out can they give me some different signals? How can they help me navigate some of the things that I'm struggling with? And one of my last companies, I've actually had a peer who honestly was my main advocate because my manager would say things that were the complete opposite of what she was telling me to my skip level. And so it's putting together those three folks to then help you rebuild your image of yourself and get you to a point where you believe in yourself and can actually now start targeting, how do I move forward from where I am? How do I extract myself from the messiness? And I love how versatile that one example is of, of how to reach out to folks, because I find that if you're in a toxic workplace or if you are feeling burnout or whatever, if you ask someone on your team, they're, you know, they're, they want to keep their job too. Or, you know, you, you never know what, what the, what the uh, tension is that they're experiencing. So I love that you're like, go outside of the company, make, have that, have that person shine a light on, you know, on your excellence so that you can just unplug a little bit, but then also finding that ally within the company in a different department. I find that that's also helpful too. Um, I've been in those situations as well. Um, and again, it's, it's better to have those soundboards versus you being in your mind and just kind of having this, this um, self-limiting belief hit you in the face and not, and you don't want to show up to work. Uh, 
So I love that you're also bringing it back to, you know, is this what you want to do? Are you happy with the, with the, with the company, with the job, with, you know, with your role, or is it, you know, deeper? Is there actually, you know, something um, that can be uh, helped or remedied based on how people are treating each other within the company? So we've got folks writing in the chat box here. Victoria says, so true to some, to one of your other reflections. And Amy writes, I love that. I have experienced that and didn't have the support. So thank you. Um, great. Awesome. Yeah, I'm happy that we can share our journeys and, you know, be visible about these things, because as we know, I mean, one of the one of the most impactful movements uh, of, of our generation, I think, is the Me Too movement that, you know, historically speaking, women have not been able to say, hey, this is not cool. You know, we got this ceiling. Yeah. People are treating us however they you know, they're taking advantage of us with NDAs and all these things. Um, and so, you know, the more we can share, hey, this happened to me. And we, when you, we use this digital space to share those journeys, I think that it will help us, um, you know, just continue to trailblaze and, and be more confident in ourselves. So thank you, Steph, for, for highlighting that. All right, let's move on to this next question here. So how do we get started having these conversations with people who we think should be in our hot mess squad? Do you recommend starting with monthly conversations to be mutual sounding boards? Yeah, so I've only recently started telling people that they're in my hot mess squad. I inducted them in without their knowledge. They probably know who they are, though, by virtue of like constant text messages or slacks or phone calls. Um, I would say that the biggest reason why you'd need to ask them to be in your hot mess squad is for the frequency of guidance or support that you might need, right? But ideally, these are folks that you have a long-standing relationship with or really deep trust because that's ultimately what allows you to be vulnerable enough where someone can see that vulnerability, honor, value it, and help you figure out how do I channel this for you to become the best version of yourself. I would say that those conversations will look different depending on who the person is and the nature of your relationship. So for my grad school friends or college friends, they know they're stuck with me, unfortunately for them, unless they block my number or literally just stop responding, but I'll still probably find a way to <laughs> ask them. Um, with some of my former mentors or colleagues, I'm actually still in touch with the very first manager I ever had. So from 10, 11 years ago, I'll just reach out every once in a while to catch up with him or say, hey, TJ, I really need this thing. I have this conversation coming up. I'm not sure how to handle it. I've actually called him from outside the country when I've been super stressed out to ask for guidance, how to resign from a job. And he's always been there for me. Um, I think when it comes to someone who's newer, and I mentioned earlier, woman who I started having monthly one-on-ones with and I was actually running this whole concept by her I was like does this proposal make sense are people gonna think it's crazy if I call it finding your hot mess squad and she was like actually I think you might be in my hot mess squad is that okay <laughs> I was like yeah that's great I think it's a huge honor because it means that you trust me enough to share what's really going on. So I think for those folks that you're not as comfortable with, spend some time to invest in those monthly cadences. Just walk them through things. It doesn't have to be as formal. These aren't the same as mentorships and sponsorships, right? So they're meant to be more casual just about whatever's going on and can be a little bit more free-flowing. Beautiful advice. Thank you for that, Steph. 
All right, let's move on to this next question here. How did you build your network and how do you feel that has helped you in your career journey? So you've, you've given some examples. I'd love to hear more if you want to dive in deeper there. Yeah, so I think I've built it kind of not super methodically, to be honest. I feel like it's really just been who I've worked with. And one of the things that I think about is I was a sociology and anthropology major in college. So there's always been a little bit of that curiosity about other people. And that's been helpful for when I was in Nairobi and just trying to learn more about the education space, going to other conferences. That curiosity led me to, honestly, one of my closest friends who's here, we met at a conference and it was just because I really loved the work that her organization was doing. So started attending more of their events. I would drop by their office sometimes to ask for, hey, how do I get this data? Sometimes drop by chocolate. So yes, I will acknowledge that some level of low-key food bribery has been a big part of my strategy for convincing folks to be part of my network um, because generally speaking there are very few people who will be upset by that but I think it's been through one just asking people questions getting to learn a little bit more about them beyond the purview of their jobs to finding some sort of non-professional interest that you have in common um, and three, I think just, uh, I sometimes joke, like I just force them to be friends with me. I have one of my really good friends. I met him through a mutual college, uh, friend of ours. They did a doctorate program together. He was super generous, spent like two hours talking with me when I first moved back to the Bay area. And then we sort of lost touch when I got my new job. And I remember I was, we were walking in opposite directions on the street and I literally just saw him on the street and shouted his name. I would assess whether you think this is the right situation, maybe it doesn't work all the time, but invited him to my house for a dessert party. And then we just stayed in touch and have become really good friends and talked about quite a few things. So it's not always super strategic, but I would say think about always adding to your network from each of your chapters of life, whether it be grad school or jobs. And it's not about building a big group. It's about building really quality relationships with folks who you're excited about. I sometimes think about like, there's a click, if you will, you just meet someone and you know, like, this is someone I'm going to get along with. They're just good people and they make my soul smile. And they're the ones that I want in my life. So how can an introvert who is now, you know, can't uh, maybe, well, actually, I don't know, maybe it's, I guess it's, this is a tough question. Let's see. I don't know where you are on the spectrum. I can make my, I can make my assumptions, but I think that you have a good mixture as do I, as I think that most people do. Um, for folks who are introverts right now during COVID, how do they, how do they build these intentional relationships? You know, cause I, We've had chats where people, you know, people have a big fear of, of, of putting themselves out there, so to speak, or, you know, being their own representative, their own PR person. Um, how, can, how can folks get over that if they do consider themselves to be introverts, especially in this time? Yeah, I mean, I realize that I probably seem like I'm an extrovert. I am really not. <laughs> I definitely get tired at being social events and I will often like turtle. So just kind of withdraw. But and I, I've really learned, I would say this past year, there's been moments where I've just needed to pull back. And with your squad, I think one of the things is 
with a lot of the friends who I'm closer with and might've had like bi-weekly phone calls with just to catch up. And I've been comfortable enough with, I've just told them, sorry, I went MIA on you. I just was super stressed. Like I just needed time away and they get it right. They know it has nothing to do with not wanting to invest in the friendship, but it's, it's this year has just been a ton of things happening. So that's one way for your super close friends. For some of these other relationships that you're just starting to cultivate, I think it it, it does require, you know, scheduling a Zoom happy hour or, or catching up, but giving a lot of room for flexibility. So letting someone know, hey, let's do this. But if, you know, I've had friends who say, I'm just not feeling great. Can we postpone? I'm also remembering that I owe someone an email from like a month ago when I was just super tired and didn't get back to it. Telling them that's okay, we'll reschedule and going with whatever medium is most comfortable, right? Most people probably have some level of Zoom, Hangouts, whatever video conferencing platform of your choice fatigue. So offer to do just an audio only call or a phone call. Or I've had friends who I just text with, right? Still interaction, but a lot lower energy allows you to engage in a way that's comfortable for you. So understand, do that assessment for yourself, figure out what's most comfortable and then do that and be intentional around how many people you try to do this with, because you don't want to burn yourself out trying to chase down so many things. Focus on cultivating that small group and then go from there. I've told one of my friends, like you just need one, if you're job hunting, let's say, because she's been looking, you just need one person who's super well connected and will make those connections for you. That's it. You don't need to chase down 20 people. Just focus on that one person and ask them for help and go from there. Absolutely. Thank you for that response. Yes. I, I just needed to bring up because I know that nowadays with networking and networking online and before when we could go to summits and conferences, I would just always get this feedback from introverts or people who identify as introverts saying like, this is so hard. How do I do this? So I really appreciate your response. Yeah. I mean, one of the other things that I think about is like now, because these are more informal conversations, right? It's not a mentor where you have to have like this perfectly drafted email that you maybe or maybe don't send to 10 people to review before you hit send. You can do smaller things like I will send TikToks or reels or tweets. I know where money reside has been blowing up on Twitter. So I sent a bunch of texts about that to one of my friends yesterday or an Instagram post, right? It's low effort. And I know people have different opinions on social media, but I think this is one forum where it is valuable because it gives you something concrete to engage on. It doesn't require a ton of emotional labor per se from either party but allows for a sustained level of engagement. And when you do have the energy or when your other squad members have the energy, you can then come back to it and have a deeper, longer conversation. Beautiful, thank you for that, Steph. All right, let's move on to this next question. I just wanna let everyone know we've got about 15 minutes left. So if you have not had a chance to write in the chat box or come off mute, now's your time to shine. Uh, until then, we'll move on to this next question here. So Steph, is it useful to expand your squad over time? If so, how do you best do that? 100% yes. <laughs> There's a couple of reasons for this, right? One is that you yourself are gonna be at different stages in your career over time. So the types of support, the types of questions you'll have or problems you're dealing with are also going to change. And you need a group that 
can sympathize with that or can call you out. My good friends who's on this chat as well, I've told her sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't know if I really count as a senior leader and she will just like, Steph, snap out of it. Don't say that you are a senior leader. Why are you even saying this? <laughs> and so that's what the squad does, right? They hold you accountable. But if I were talking to somebody who is more junior in their career or earlier on, they wouldn't be able to pull me out of that mindset in the same way. Um, so I think, think about what your needs are and kind of incorporate folks in depending on those needs. And the other thing that I wanna call out is your squad does not have to be people who are necessarily more senior in their careers or automatically in the same field. If anything, you want a squad that's composed of folks who might be quote unquote more junior, but they have really valuable perspectives. A lot of my former directs are also ones I would consider part of my squad. I reach out to them for advice on things, sometimes how to handle management situations because I think their perspective is gonna be helpful for guiding how I manage. Um, and the way that you do that is, you know, as you go into different jobs or you change careers, think about just adding one or two people who, to start getting close to who understand your new context and just build them in the same way that you would new friends. Even though I know some people have like a no new friends after 30 rule, I'm done. <laughs> the applications are closed, but I think that doesn't extend to the squad. And the last thing I'll say there is your squad's needs will also change, right? So someone who could be there and super supportive maybe two years ago, maybe they have a kid now, they have other things that they need to handle. That's fine. We all have that. Who can you find who can help supplement or give you the same type of perspective or something similar to that person? That's where having a different person come in will help really up-level the types of engagements that you're having and keep you moving. I love how dynamic uh, you explain this. I mean, I see it happening. You, you you earlier called it this web, and and I love that it's a holistic web. It's not lateral. You know, it's it's like you know, how can I make it intentionally diverse? You know, authentically wanting to collaborate and you know help each other um, with with different resources and things like that. I love that you're you're bringing us to that mindset. Um, and then you're referring to your squad as these anchors as well. I've, I mean, I, I'm, I'm reflecting as you're defining what a hot mess squad is. And I'm like, yes, okay. I got my friend in Norway. I got my friend here in California. I got my friend down the street. Um, and, and yeah, totally have been my anchors in, this, in these crazy times, um, just so that we don't lose our heads in all of this craziness. So um, I'd love to hear you speak just a little bit about isolation, as I know it's affecting uh, you know, a lot of us these days. Um, how can we, you know, leverage uh, our squads or, you know, get into this mindset of building a, a hot mess squad so that we can navigate the waters of isolation? And, and it's even harder now because of the virtual capacity that we have to interact. But I would love to hear you touch on isolation a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I will admit that I am lucky enough to be quarantining with my parents. So not dealing with isolation at all in the same way that someone in a one bedroom apartment or in a different country, right? Far away from their family is. I think that said, I definitely still have envy for folks who've been able to meet up outdoors. It's not something that I've really done too often just because my parents are on the older side. I think in those situations, what's helpful is leaning on some of these other interactions, whether that be 
Zoom calls, phone calls, or, you know, I honestly will send like a bunch of stories and posts on Instagrams to quite a few friends. And that might not sound very significant, but I think it is something helpful because it allows folks to just keep touching base. I would say if you really need some of that additional support, it can be helpful to have structured, scheduled phone calls with friends or texting them. One of my friends has definitely made fun of me for being very much of a like, okay, well, can you tell me in two weeks when you can talk and then I'll just write you in. He's like, I don't understand what this is. Can you like, just, just, just call me. It's fine. And I'm like, no, but everyone's scheduled. So I think allowing for some of that spontaneity. Right. Um, And just checking in, like, honestly, just text messages. I'm a huge fan of using like Instagram, TikTok, all of those, because they're low effort. They allow you to conserve some energy. So when you do go into these phone calls, you can be comfortable and really fully engage without tiring yourself out, especially if you're introvert or honestly just handling everything that is 2020. Yes. Mic drop. Absolutely. (laughs) All right. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> okay. So we've got uh, just about 10 minutes left just to let everyone know. So um, I, I just want to say again, if anyone wants to add to this conversation, feel free to write in the chat box or, you know, hop off mute. We'd love to hear from you uh, until then we'll, we'll move on to this question. So I have a hot mess squad. Sometimes I worry that we can focus too heavily on negative things going on, which can sometimes make it difficult to turn those interactions into positive developments at work. Have you experienced this issue and how do you deal with it? Yeah, I've, I've definitely been guilty of being that person who's like negative, Nancy, negative Nancy. Um, I would say that there's a couple of things. So when I've found myself in this situation, sometimes it's been because the workplace is just incredibly toxic and I don't have anyone else who understands the levels of that toxicity besides someone who's there with me, right? Like I could talk to friends, but those friends would say like, no stuff, you're making it up. It can't be that bad. And so then you're like, okay, well now they just don't believe me, which is unhelpful in this moment. I think about this in a few ways. So one is kind of reading the room, understanding is someone venting just because that's become the pattern, right? With this interaction, or are they venting because there's something deeply distressing and they really need support, right? To figure out how do I get through this? If it's something truly distressing, create that space, right? Make sure that they're heard. Or if you have enough trust, and hopefully you do, sometimes you can say, I'm so sorry to hear about that. Let's talk through it. Let's hop on a Zoom. Or I'm so sorry to hear about that. And you may not have the energy, right? I don't know how, what would be most helpful for you, right? Asking them, what do they need? And so that can kind of redirect it from being this long negative ramble to how do we move from here? If it's, I'm just like, oh, so frustrated and I just need to talk about it, but I don't, I'm just like repeating the same things. Then you might say, hey, actually let's talk about this, right? Just change the subject. Or if you've noticed that it's become a pattern, maybe considering laying down some ground rules of, hey, I noticed that we're constantly complaining. Let's just, we're still here. So let's make the most of it. Let's put ground rules of 
we're only allowed to complain I don't know, 10 minutes each day <laughs> we're talking and then let's chat about something else or send like a funny gif and that way it just redirects the conversation without also negating the very real frustrations that someone might be feeling because that's not what you want to do but it is important to not constantly live in that space of negativity Yes, I love that suggestion. And 10 minutes is still a lot, but you, I love the effort. Um, I love, I, I have found myself in that situation um, with friends as well. It's like, hey, I know you're going through tough times, um, but you know, if you, if you say that one more time, you owe me a quarter or something where it's like, ah, okay, it adds a little humor. And also, you know, you don't want to give up the quarter. So you hold it back a little bit, but of course, allowing the space to, to release frustrations, of course. Um, so thank you for that step. All right, let's move on to this next question here. Has quarantine changed the dynamic of your squad or how you've been able to maintain and cultivate relationships? Yeah, so I think for the parts of my squad that were kind of globally dispersed, hasn't changed it too much. Although there were folks that I used to be able to see if I made trips elsewhere who now it's a We'll see when we can travel again, because there's hopefully will be enough folks who are vaccinated. Um, but those ones, not too much, right? WhatsApp is like my lifeline. I joke about this, but it's also very real. <laughs> I rely on it for engaging with quite a few of those friends. For the friends where they were part of my squad almost by geography, right? So either folks that I talk to constantly in the office or would meet up with every couple of weekends, that has been tougher. Some of them I have drifted a little bit more from because so much of our interactions were just very organic and driven by meeting up. And so in some of those cases, I've just texted once in a while to see how they're doing, but also given myself the grace to be okay with not being at 100% in maintaining all of those relationships. So I think that's something to consider of how many people do I have the capacity to cultivate these squad relationships with for a year from a distance. And sometimes it doesn't work out and that's okay, right? Our squad will adapt and change depending on what's happening. One of my friends always says there's, you have some friends who are just for one season, just for one geography. And then you have friends who are for all seasons, all geographies. And hopefully that's where most of your squad lands. I would say that in those cases where they were from the office, now there's a lot more group WhatsApps or group texts where we can just check in every once in a while and maybe schedule a Zoom happy hour to catch up and see how we're all doing. And we all acknowledge we're not gonna be talking as often, but that's okay, we'll check in when we need to. And we know that the bonds are strong enough. So when we do get to be in person again, we can pick up where we left off. Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? Uh, and, and even the imagery of, of, you know, being, of drifting apart because of the, the space in between and the isolation in between uh, during these, these times, um, it's, it, all, it almost makes me feel like, oh, we're mourning our relationships uh, to a certain extent. Um, how, do you have any advice on, you know, how to be ahead of, if you see that you're drifting apart because of you're not able to meet physically, how to intentionally, you know, um, speak to that person about that so that it's not just like, oh yeah, and then a year passes and we never talked after October. 
Um, you know, and then having that guilty feeling come up a year later, like, you know, not having the regret, how can you be more intentional about either closing it or being put it, put it on a pause or, you know, setting a future, future hang. Uh, do you have any tips on that? Yeah, I think for me, I'm pretty honest about it where I'll just text someone and be like, sometimes I've left someone in a conversation from months ago and just forgot to text them back. And I will literally say, oh my God, I'm so sorry that I did not get back to you here's what's been happening. Very abbreviated, right? How are things? And usually it'll be like, ah, no worries, right? Most people, especially if they're in your squad are going to understand there's a ton of things happening and they don't expect that. Um, for others, it'll be, Hey, let's talk in a month when things are a little bit less hectic and we'll just go from there. Like I had one friend who we, my mom and I just made a bunch of food and had him and his family come pick it up. And we went on a walk and we hadn't talked in, I don't know, seven, eight months probably, but it was fine. And he was like, yeah, I know he has a kid and we just picked up from there. And so I think there is that element. I would say grace is a big part of it. Giving yourself grace, giving your squad grace and just being clear and communicating what capacity you have to engage or give and doing the same for the other person. And if it doesn't work out, that's tough, but sometimes it's okay as well, right? You might have another person who steps into your squad. Beautiful. Wow, Steph, so I told you that time would fly. We have about two minutes left. So I would love for you to leave us with some food for thought. What, uh, what, can we, what, what should we start doing right now if we're looking to you know, build our squad or if we're looking to start our squad? Um, and then how can we connect with you after we finish this chat so that we can support the, the great work that you're doing? Yeah, so I would say for me, when you're thinking about your hot mess squad, if you want, literally just make a list, right? Who are those folks that you always go to when something's wrong? And maybe the thing you do is, you know, we're coming up on the holidays, send them a card or a text, wishing them happy holidays, happy new years, what have you, to just keep the engagement going and let them know, let's check in next year. Low effort reminds them, reminds you of who you have to be grateful for. I think that's something I didn't mention, but is a huge part of sustaining your squad, always expressing your appreciation and gratitude for the support that people provide you. Um, and yeah, I think that's kind of my biggest thing in terms of where you can find me. I sporadically, although I've gotten better at tweeting, uh, my handle is stung, S-T-T-U-N-G. I'm pretty sure I got that right. Five years ago, someone was like, do you not know what your Twitter handle was? And I was like, yeah, I've only tweeted like five times. So um, one of the other things that I worked on earlier this year with Anusha and Anna, who are on the call and a bunch of other folks here was something called the Next Step Project, where the goal was to help folks who'd been laid off with just compiling a ton of resources in one place to walk them through how they might go through a job hunt. And if you want to help someone, what you could do as a mentor. So happy to share that out. We're always looking for feedback. We don't know if it was super helpful, but we'd love to be there to support folks who are just trying to get through 2020, especially on the job front. Beautiful. Thank you all for, for starting that initiative. Uh, and we will include that in the rewatch email. So everyone who's joined us live, you will get this information in the rewatch email. Uh, and I just wanna say thank you again, Steph. Thank you everyone for taking the time out of their day to have this really important conversation uh, especially during these crazy times where isolation is is really heavy and we're feeling it. And so um, let's build our hot mess squads, support each other. Um, and Steph, uh, it's been a pleasure to listen to you speak today. So thank you so much. Thank you so much.